A roaring sound assaulted her ears as Susan slowly regained consciousness. When she opened her eyes, everything was black. Her jaw hurt and her head ached, but as she moved her limbs, it seemed that nothing else was damaged. She lay in the dark trying to remember what had happened. Where in the world was she? Whatever she was lying on was vibrating underneath her as if it was moving. As she listened intently, she noticed she could barely hear radio music through the constant roaring noise of a car engine. She raised her hands and felt metal over her head. It felt like thin carpet underneath her shoulders. When she heard a car horn blare, she knew immediately where she was. The sensation of movement jolted her as the car hit a pothole in the road. She was locked in the trunk of a car. The man who had pulled her from her wrecked car must have locked her in the trunk of his car. She had no idea how long she had been there. Moving her left arm up to her face, she felt for her wristwatch. She pressed the knob on the side of it and a tiny light came on. It was four o'clock in the morning. Panic rose in her chest. What was happening at home? Candy would be frantic to leave, and who would take care of Brittany? What a dangerous mess she had gotten herself into. And Brittany would be the one who suffered from her stupidity. Susan had no doubt that the man who had run her off the road and pulled her from the car was working with the doctors. That she was still alive surprised her. Why hadn't they just killed her to keep her quiet? Tears coursed down her cheeks as she lay in the dark, so terrified with panic it threatened to choke her. Why was she still alive, and where were they taking her? What would happen to her? Who would take care of Brittany? Dear God, please help me, she prayed over and over. It was almost five o'clock when the car finally slowed down and stopped. Susan waited for the trunk to open, but no one came for her. Galib Morrow glared through his wire rim glasses at Latif. Whatever possessed you to bring the woman here? he asked in annoyance. What do you expect me to do with her? Latif shrugged. Azad said we could use her. We could harvest any good parts and sell them. She's worth more alive than dead right now. Galib slapped Latif in the face. Of course she is, but I don't want her here in my clinic. I don't have the facilities to harvest organs here. Take her to Jalil's hospital immediately. Latif's face stung from the slap, but not much could really hurt him. It was the humiliation that bothered him more. Yes, yes, he said, bowing to the older man. I am sorry. It was unthinking of me to bring her here. Of course you should be at Jalil's. I will take her at once. Latif turned and walked out of the room. When he got back to the sedan, he climbed in the driver's side and looked at Azad. He wants us to take her to Jalil's. Azad nodded and smiled. I figured as much, but I wanted to be sure. That means we did the right thing in keeping her alive. We should have taken her to Jalil's and called Galip from there, complained Latif as he started the car's engine. He was very angry. I do not appreciate being the one who had to face his wrath. Azad laughed. Sorry about that. I did not want to face him either. 
but I figured it was better to know now than to find out later. If we had taken her to Jalil's hospital first, then found out he wanted her dead, it would have been harder to find a secluded place to dump her body. Latif stared daggers at him. Next time, give him a call first. Fine. I just didn't want to end up playing phone tag while we drove in circles. Thirty minutes later, when they got to Jalil's small hospital, Latif parked the sedan in the back by the private entrance. Susan was awake when he opened the trunk, and she blinked in the blinding sunlight. Please let me go home, she begged. I have a very sick daughter who needs me. Latif slapped her face and dragged her out of the trunk by her arms. Shut up. You're not ever going home. We have other plans for you.